Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Sunday, January 9th, and I'm joined, as I always am, by my neighbor Max. How's it going, my friend? The kind of happy exhausted that comes after a ton of hours logged, but not regretting them and feeling good about them, and uh, a bit of the sort of clarity that comes after near life-altering injury occurring and then de-escalating in about five minutes okay we've got to hear that story so uh we had the truck pulled right parallel with a garage and so we wanted to get uh the side ramp going because that would just it takes about 20 to 30 seconds off every trip if the side of the truck is the direction you're going but because we had the truck already pulled up at the garage to open the door to get to the side wasn't feasible just because the height of the garage was too low and the door would run into it. And there was still a good hundred foot of alley ahead of the truck that we needed to drive in order to open the side door, which is slow enough in the snow, but going backwards is brutally painfully slow. So as the truck was driving forward, I see a doorway just in the alley, I check the height and the door will clear it. And there's enough space for the door to swing back. But the narrowness of that kind of crevice for the door wouldn't let it do the full 180 degree swing. It would be good for about 90 and then the truck has to continue moving sort of fit in the space. So as I'm swinging that, as the truck is moving, it goes zero to a hundred and there is enough space for the door to swing all the way back at that 90 degree angle, but there's not enough space for my hand. So as the truck's going, my hand gets stuck with the door pressing against the wall. I'd like scream, stop the truck. And the driver stopped instantly. And I could, I've tried to move my hand. I couldn't get out. The door was like pushing into it and the wall was pushing in. So it was, stuck the driver comes and i was like do you think there's any way to drive and get this like door to go and they're like no definitely not and this whole while it's like my hand freaking hurts like the door is pushing into it yeah i can't move it at all and uh the drop my driver friend like pulls the door back as much as she can and i was able to like slide my hand out five minutes later my hand felt totally fine but I think if I hadn't shouted stop when I did or I had forced my hand out of there in some way there could have been some pretty permanent damage so that was intense it definitely sounds intense kind of like serenity bringing adrenaline dump came right after that so (laughs) and then you proceeded to carry 10 men's worth of weight up and down out of the house something like that yeah just the uh the huge adrenaline kick had you in the zone well it was just like i don't know everything was so serious for a second and then everything after that was so (laughs) irrelevant uh in the flow so that was kind of peace bringing anyway how was your weekend my friend Uh, uh obviously not as entertaining as yours i I don't know uh, about that one (laughs) word (laughs) i had a uh, pretty busy week so this weekend was really just to decompress um 
sat on the couch for most of the weekend, did a little bit of redecorating, a little bit of chores around the, the apartment and uh, discovered that there is an outdoor rink pretty close to where I live. Now all it has to do, which is a steep ask from London, is to be below zero for kind of a week straight. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, so far has not lived up to the task, went from 13 below Celsius yesterday to then three above. So that, that kind of killed all the uh, excitement I had to go skating this morning. But hopefully it cools down a little bit and uh, I can finally get out and do some skating that we used to do many many years ago i sort of feel you we went from below six today to minus 22 tomorrow (laughs) so i i get what you mean about like sudden awful temperature changes yeah i think it's a little bit worse though in in montreal just in terms of how cold it gets oh yeah that's i'm not looking forward to tomorrow (laughs) Of course, the coldest day of the week is one of the ones I'm working. It couldn't be one of the three days I'm not working that hits that temperature. Yeah, it always has to be like that, right? It do be like that. (laughs) All right. We're here to talk some sports. Uh, Got some tennis news off the hop. Whoa, that's new. Uh, We've got some football fan cave, a little bit of basketball, and uh, a brief bit of hockey to touch on. Uh, in this podcast should be a pretty good one today. Max, did you have any idea that the ATP Cup was happening? I did. I follow both Felix and Dennis on Instagram. So I was seeing their updates about it, but I just knew they were winning. I didn't know who they were winning against, how it was going, and the spacing between them winning the semis and winning the finals was really short compared to the anticipation of them playing that semis match. So it, I found out they won the semis and the finals in the same time frame. Yeah. Uh, both of those of course happening since our last podcast. So we didn't get to talk at all about, about their run, but Felix and Dennis losing their first four matches of the tournament go on a pretty special run and they win Canada's first ever ATP cup, uh, defeating Spain in, in straight matches, a two nothing victory, uh, over Paolo Carina Busta and, uh, Berto Batista Gut, I believe the two Spaniards, um, didn't get to catch a lot of it or any of it really. Cause it's on at one 30, AM, uh, where we are here, but a great way for those two kids to start 2022. And hopefully this is a sign that, they're in for a couple of big years, I think ranked 11th and 14th in the world, respectively, heading into this season. So things looking up for Canada and, and really exciting to see what can come from these two. Uh, good early signs is Felix beating uh, Alexander Zverev uh, in, in their matchup against Germany. And then, of course, uh, a tough match against Daniel Medvedev that, that didn't go their way, but they were able to pull out the doubles victory in a tie break against Russia in order to advance to the finals. So some pretty significant players in this tournament as well. Uh, and yeah, just a good momentum builder for team Canada. Yeah. This win was not a bird tournament at all with players like Zverev, Medvedev, both teams, Spain's players highly ranked on the Polish Urkars, uh, Cam Nori for great Britain. They had to beat a lot of really good players and really good teams in order to get there. And a team like Spain also had to do that just to get in the finals. 
And it's wonderful timing for these two players. If you saw the celebrations, just the joy on both of their faces to win something. Uh, Felix, I still yet to win any singles events. Uh, the perennial finalist in a lot of 250 matchups. So just getting that taste of victory, the confidence that comes with it is wonderful for both of them heading into the Australian Open. It had a very questionably open field based on uh, a lot of this last six months the tennis world has had. So great to see the boys uh, get some confidence. Chapo, is, he just looked like a kid at Christmas. I don't know if you saw any of the videos. Uh, yeah, it, it, some pretty awkward ones because of the lack mm. of fans and the lack of number of people on the team, like their celebrations. There was instant energy and then there would be a pause of like awkwardness where they were celebrating. Like, I don't know if you saw the video that ATP posted where Felix is talking to the camera yeah. with the trophy and he's like, woo, we're here with mm-hmm. the trophy. Yay. <laughs> yeah, that pretty one funny was moment. pretty awkward. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was like they knew they had to vid- do a video and could not plan it. Yeah. But uh, more when they're like popping the champagne and just shouting amongst each other when the atmosphere is contained and it's just them celebrating amongst themselves. That's where the ecstasy really came out. And they got a lot of looks at the top and then bitter disappointment for each. So just I th- even in a less important tournament with a less deep field, getting those Ws in, the reps on how to win, really important for development as well. And I think that's the key thing with this win. Absolutely. We're looking forward to seeing what they'll be able to do in 2022. All right. Uh, I wanted to talk football next, but we might have to save that to the end of the show. As we are recording, the San Francisco 49ers and the Los Angeles Rams are headed to overtime. Um, And this game has pretty significant implications for the playoff picture. So I don't necessarily want to talk too much about NFL Sunday when there's still a multitude of possibilities of how the seating is going to end up. That's a pretty significant game to watch as well. The Patriots have just pulled within a field goal of the dolphins uh, and the Seahawks and Cardinals still about halfway through that fourth quarter. So lots of time left in some important games. So hopefully we'll, we'll get back to it near the end of the pod and, and have a clear picture on what the NFL weekend 18 uh, ends up looking like. In the meantime, let's talk some hoops, shall we? Yeah, you've got a bunch of games here. Yeah, and uh, I was back and forth between football this afternoon. And uh, of course, the on Sundays, usually Raptors start a little bit earlier than normal, a 6 p.m. game against New Orleans Pelicans. Fred Van Bleet already had 15 points at halftime. And uh, I liked some of the, just the Raptors in, as a whole, only a one-point game with the Pelicans and had some runs back and forth. But the connectivity of this team is really starting to look like it did a couple seasons ago. We know they've had a lot of moving parts and Nick Nurse has had to work with a ton of different players, but it finally seems like they're building that cohesiveness and chemistry. And it's shown over a five-game winning streak. But really, I'm going to take the next 10 minutes to continue to promote Fred VanVleet for All-Star. And, and we were, and our podcast was probably a week ahead of the the huge momentous tide that's now rolling in Fred's favor. But uh, of course, 15 points so far in the first half against New Orleans. But really, Max, I don't know if you've seen the four minutes and 20 seconds 
of the third quarter on Friday, where Fred Van Vliet, in the game, finishing with his first career triple-double, 37, 10, and 10. But in that four-minute, 22-second stretch, he goes on a 17-3 run by himself against the Utah Jazz, admittedly the Jazz third stringers, but still a remarkable performance. I'm going to walk you through possession by possession, pretty much what happens here, all involving Fred. We go with a Freddie two-point jumper, stop. Freddie three-point jumper, stop. Freddie in transition, uh, gets fouled, two free throws, makes them both, stop. Freddie three-pointer, stop. Fred and stop coming on this one from a Freddie block, uh, kind of a driving play by the jazz player. He gets one of those like almost stocks you want to call them where you don't know necessarily whether to call it a steal or a block. Cause he's, he's swiping the ball from players at a lower point than your typical, like eraser play from a big man. So he removes possession. They score at a block back the other way. He gets delay and one converts the free throw. Then Next play, Hassan Whiteside, stolen by Fred Van Vliet. And then he puts on the moves and hits the two-point jumper. That is when Utah decides to call a timeout. (laughs) A 15-0 run by himself. Utah then gets a three from Daniel House, and Fred Van Vliet uh, hits hits another two to to finish out the 17-3 run. Five possessions happen kind of in between then. And then uh, the last shot of the third quarter for the Raptors is a logo three from Fred Van Vliet. Truly a remarkable heat check moment. Puts up 20 points in, in that four minute 22 stretch. Uh, the fastest or the most points in, a, in that amount of time in, Fre- in Raptors history. He set a lot of kind of niche records on, on Friday night, but that was the one. That was the game that put him right on the map. Uh, Kyle Lowry p- promoting his support. Lots of players around the league taking notice and finally recognizing what he's been doing really for the last two weeks, where he's averaging almost 30 points a game, five rebounds, eight assists, shooting 49, 39, and 96 from the field. Um at his size and also while averaging two steals a game and a 12 to one turnover ratio. It's really remarkable. He is clearly an all-star at this point. Um, A couple of weeks ago when we were talking, he was kind of on that bubble, but I think for sure with that performance last night or on Friday, he, he stapled himself in there. Yeah. There were big shoes for him to step into and his feet growing by the week. It still seems like though, as you said, he's always been special, but the consistency and I guess lets him take that to a whole nother level for nights like Friday. That's the one man six foot show is a rare NBA occurrence. Yeah. Had to go back and, and watch that 420 again. Um, yeah, just really, really fun stuff. And, and what it does is it does put the Raptors now uh, two games above 500 they sit in the seven seed going into tonight uh even though they are only two games ahead of the 12th seed in the eastern conference so really really compact there uh between those six teams but they are ahead of the pack and they are looking to chase down cleveland ahead of them by a game and a half uh, who has slid a little bit now with injuries to ricky rubio uh, in addition to losing sexton earlier in the season now the raptors this run the five-game winning streak, granted, has come against a lot of teams, missing players, 
uh, either due to COVID or other reasons, but you got to play the team that's in front of you and it's good to bank wins now while you can, uh, especially with a lot of those wins coming within an empty arena. So you don't necessarily have that home court push behind you. Moving on here, i uh, going to highlight two streaking teams in the NBA. First of all, the hottest team in the league, the Chicago Bulls, have now won nine games in a row. Uh, no Alex Caruso, no Patrick Williams, who we all thought were going to be part of their seven, eight-man rotation, but the team still looked fully fledged against the Washington Wizards. Um, DeRozan taking a backseat in the scoring that night, but was really facilitating with eight assists. Zach Levine took over the uh, primary scoring role. And with Derek Jones Jr. at the four, that, that team looked really solid, where they have a guy who's pretty committed to just defense and cutting and then the rest of those guys so good at sharing the ball Lonzo can knock down a three Levine of course doing his thing really really well flowing offense and then Kobe White off the bench great gave them a great scoring spark and and that's a guy that this team is really going to need uh, when they get into some tougher matchups it's always nice to have a guy who can come off your bench and give you a scoring spark if the starters are looking flat um and, and it's an important piece for a lot of successful teams in the regular season. And then in the playoffs, you, you, you trying to, you got to try and see what, what else he can give you there. The other team that uh, we have to talk about, and they've been talked about almost every day this year, uh, the Los Angeles Lakers, they have now won four games in a row. Um, and again, a lot of that from LeBron, he's been just remarkable in, in the month of December now feeding into January and a big adjustment that they've made over the last two weeks or so is they've started playing him, starting him at center on this Lakers team. And he's been able to hold his own, uh, against some smaller center matchups. He's got great hands, right? So getting those deflections, stripping the ball around the rim, but what it's done for them offensively is huge. It's opened up lanes for Westbrook. Uh, Malik Monk has really gotten caught fire in, in recent weeks. He had 29 points against the Atlanta Hawks, uh, in their win on Friday. And yeah, they, obviously with LeBron at center, he can take advantage if they have a bigger, slower center on him in that matchup, or he's drawing attention and kicking to an open shooter. So that's been great for their spacing. I just worry about them. You look at the top three teams in the Western Conference, who are the centers? Jokic, Ayton, Gobert, uh, and then of course the Warriors don't necessarily have a traditional center. That's the one team where you'd feel better about the Lakers matching up, but really like Jokic, Ayton, Gobert. I wouldn't expect LeBron to be able to handle any of them. Gobert maybe just because of he, he's not going to go up against LeBron in a one-on-one -on -one scenario, but as a roller to the rim will be tougher for LeBron to defend. Um, so, so waiting to see if the Lakers still try to employ that strategy when going up against one of those three teams. But right now, again, a, another team, that's got to bank some wins so they can stay out of that playing game. And then playoff time comes, they're not a team you want to face. You think there's any chance they run like uh, AD at the four and LeBron at the five? Well, in that scenario, AD would, it, honestly, at this point, positionally, when yeah. you're assigning positions, you're just assigning them on a defensive basis. Anyone can really play one through five on offense in today's NBA. So if you're doing that, you probably have AD at the five, just for the size and the length. Um, he's bulked up quite a bit this season. So you, you'd feel better with him taking the, the center matchup defensively. But if it's a team 
like like what they did against Miami when they won the title is they had AD at the point of attack, almost whoever had the ball, right? They just sat him at the top there and and not have him in the pain he was swallowing up Butler. That's something they could also go to. If they're playing a team like Golden State, you can hide LeBron on a Kevon Looney and then have AD kind of swallowing up passing lanes, playing against Draymond Green and trying to disrupt a lot of the stuff that the Warriors are doing on the perimeter. That could be an interesting tactic that they employ. Yeah, you'd hear talk sometimes just about him wanting to be a four, always resisting the five position, which like offensively, whatever position LeBron is playing, he's going to touch the ball a lot more than that position two through five normally would. So I agree positions are a bit meaningless. And defensively, it's hard to imagine giving LeBron an Aiton or a Jokic while AD's on the court. Yeah. The only time you I would see them giving him that matchup is again like I said if they're really trying to have some guys on the perimeter swallowing up that play and he can be uh, a bit more of a rover in the paint but anytime he's in a one-on-one against those bigger guys that's not the punishment that you want him taking at his age all right a couple more key matchups here I've got one and then you've got one the Bucks and the Nets playing on Friday night uh, in a battle for Eastern Conference supremacy and Milwaukee showing why they're still the team to beat. Uh, Of course, no Kyrie Irving for Brooklyn because the game was at Barclays Center, but Giannis, uh, a great performance. And and without Drew Holiday, without Grayson Allen, without Pat Connaughton, um, all of the starters from Milwaukee go in double figures. And this team still haven't seen them at full strength for a lot of the season it's just a great opportunity for them to get guys like Jordan Nwora, Wesley Matthews, Bobby Portis, Ronnie Hood, uh, Mamou Kalashvili, Semi Ojale. It's it's great opportunity to get those guys reps because you never know if you'll have to kind of swap one in during a playoff matchup. And so guys who typically aren't getting the front-facing roles on this team are getting the opportunity to play and they're still having success. So it's, it's a great thing for Milwaukee when you're building that culture as a team where you can just go wave after wave it was the raptors had that peak at one point where the bench mob like you could put almost any lineup out there on the floor and they were going to be a plus lineup because of the connectivity and how long they had played as a team together it's it and that's something that milwaukee really showed off against that in that win against brooklyn yeah and just two different types of team would you say like Giannis and KD, both the types of players who will, you build an offense around them and an offense is going to have to do so much less than any traditional team. Uh, Is there anything, do you think it's just having winning in their experience that's the difference between those two benches right now or? Yeah, I think generally as well, Milwaukee just has a higher level of, secondary players like their depth is just better than Brooklyn's yeah whether it's age wise or just fit wise but like a Jordan and Wara he can just play defense and hit open threes because you have Giannis whereas a guy like DeAndre Bembry who's been great for Brooklyn this season isn't necessarily the exact fit that you'd want in that scenario like Brooklyn has a lot of guys who could play center on their team, even if they're not traditional centers, they need a little bit more spacing. And that's something Milwaukee's really been able to provide to Giannis with a multitude of different guys that they put out there. 
yeah, then another team that has gotten insanely deep through uh, COVID, the Miami Heat, who thrashed the Phoenix Suns last night with a ridiculous offensive outpouring. And just with this hardship exemption, it's been a lot of rolling the dice, giving players who normally would not get NBA touches a chance on the floor and to show what they can contribute in roles far more demanding than anything they would have dreamed about playing in at the start of this season in their best case scenario. And it really has been a roll of the dice. Most of them not working out. You know, these players are going to be gone as soon as teams can field their regulars, but there's always going to be a couple diamonds in the rough. And the Miami Heat seem to have gotten the lion's share of them as with their team without Jimmy Butler and without Bam Adebayo just thrashed the Phoenix Suns full roster. Um, there might be a couple, one or two missing players there, but Paul, Booker, Aiton, Bridges, all in for the Suns. And Robinson and Hero having three-point shooting nights to remember, for sure. That was where most of the points came from, especially in the second quarter. But they weren't crazy ISO three-point shooters. It wasn't nonstop running, like, off-screen balls that a scheme Phoenix couldn't figure out. The entire Heat team moved the ball so well offensively. Anytime it ended up in an open, shootable position on the floor, whatever player it was in that position was able to execute. Um, guys like Strauss, the three-point shooting really helping. Tucker had a great night three-point shooting. And when every player is just so potent, uh, nothing's easy for Phoenix defensively. They can't cheat. And that defensive requirement opened up just enough space for Robinson Hero's sharp shooting to really shine. So midway through the season, even that ridiculous Golden State Warrior team lost some games. Phoenix still playoff stock higher than the Miami Heats at this point. Um, and they've still got things to figure out. And it wasn't one of those games where Booker and Chris Paul took over like they sometimes can. Some of that credit to Miami's defense, some of it just you're not going to get 110% every night. But for this Miami Heat, it's such a promising time right now. Uh, the way these guys are playing so well by fitting into the system, sharing the ball, defending hard, knocking down the shots as needed, tells you it's the kind of success that is going to be a benefit when the main players come back in, not the type where when they have to simmer back into being role players, they totally lose out. Yurtsevin especially is going to be such a scary backup center once Adebayo's back. I don't know if you've seen much from this guy. Um, he had a career night playmaking, even if the scoring touch isn't quite there in a contested one-on-one -on -one post move. The way this Miami Heat team moves around off the ball, just having him with the ball in the paint opens up even more for them. Uh, I'm predicted this team to finish number one in the east which could still happen if, if this strength of play continues and butler and adebayo get back and add more but it's really come playoff time where spolstra is going to have so many different weapons he can fit in and adjust 
uh, in the series. He's going to run, be able to run as much of a bench to keep fatigue from building up. Uh, I, Kyle Lowry, I haven't mentioned once, but he was a wonderful engine for the team, as you sometimes say. I This Miami Heat team is going to be incredible come playoff times from what I'm seeing right now. Heat culture, man. Uh, that's typically been a team where you can bring in a lot of different players and help them reach the the most of their capabilities. This this Heat team has been doing it for years, and they love talking about the Heat culture, but something that they do down there really gets the best out of the players. All right, uh, last bit of NBA news here. The GOAT, Bull Bull, traded. Um, and it, <laughs> looking at the headline, Everyone is going, that's such a low price, blah, blah, blah. But really, what has Bobo ever shown that he could even be a regular rotation player? But he got a 99 overall NBA My Team card. Like everyone's fallen in love with him as this demigod seven footer. Uh, and he'll have a chance to prove it. He's going to the Detroit Pistons for Rodney Magruder and a second round pick. And he's going to get a bigger opportunity uh, in the Detroit lineup because they have less guys in front of him and want to get young players more playing time. So he's going to play with Jeremy Grant, Sadiq Bey, Isaiah Stewart, Cade Cunningham, Killian Hayes. And he's going to have an opportunity to show off some of those skills that we only get to see in flashes of garbage time uh, with the Denver Nuggets. So looking forward to see just any Bull Bull highlights that come my way because he's just a fun player to watch. All right, that's going to do it for basketball. Uh, we're going to talk really quickly i don't really want to talk a lot of hockey because the leafs have another leafs moment um this one didn't feel as bad because they get a point out of it it's to a really solid team in the colorado avalanche and jack campbell was simply stupendous in this game uh 50 shots against and and ended up allowing five but really like some goal save of the year candidates he made the the diving across save uh in the crease was was awesome and the Leafs end up stealing a point to the avalanche but they were up 4-1 and they do give up a 4-1 lead where have we heard that before it's a little bit unnerving that this team that had been so good all year at protecting leads and even has been last year they're starting to build that process now we see an instance where they do it again and the DNA still lives there. We're trying to get rid of it. But uh, as a Leafs fan, still trying to stay optimistic, they still ha have had like the highest winning percentage over the last 25 games out of any Leafs team in franchise history. So you just got to keep looking at the positives and ignore the demons creeping in the background with their 4-1 with their leads. I mean... They were 17-0-0, I think, or something, going into this game, leading after two. It was only a matter of time before they eventually dropped a lead. A three-goal lead is somewhat unnerving, um, but there was a lot of good shown. Like you said, Jack Campbell, um, phenomenal. Uh, he Francois for the Avalanche as well in relief, the two of them had a duel in the second and third that Campbell ultimately lost. And what I think lost the Leafs this game was just discipline. They took too many penalties and they did mostly great penalty killing, 
but it was an opportunity for the Avs to get some zone time. And once they generated momentum from that, they were able to keep the puck in the end. And this team is just too good when they have sustained puck time in the end. Uh, just when they have it for long periods of time, stuff's going to happen. Like someone's going to set a pick on Willie Nylander and give McCarr just enough open ice to fire a wrister. Um, Man, how am I forgetting his name? Who had that absurd pass? On which team? On the Avalanche. He's the top liner, the like goal scoring. Oh, Landeskog? McKinnon? No. 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 Number Rantanen? Three. Rantanen, that's it. <laughs> that pass was just nothing anyone could do. And stuff like that gets generated by a team as offensively phenomenal as the Avalanche if the Leafs had just managed to take less penalties, I think that third would have looked a lot more 50-50 and they hang on. They've done a great job this season showing that they have gone to the drawing board and had teachable moments and learned from them. Hopefully this is another teachable moment from them. Uh, such a shame, especially Richie after scoring that goal, taking that awful penalty uh, with two and a half minutes left at the third. That my silver lining of the game that the Leafs were able to kill off that penalty and get the point. Yep. And that's the only solace we can take as they move forward. We'll be two games a week for the Leafs for the foreseeable future until we can get fans back in the arena. So you will catch us breaking down those games uh, pretty much the day after on, on yeah. Thursdays and on Sundays. Yeah. That was nice of CBC to do that for us. <laughs> Yes, it was. Yes, it was. You mentioned the 17 and 0 when leading after three periods, something like that. Similar streak happening in the NFL. Sean McVay, 45 and 0 when leaving, leading at halftime uh, as the coach of the Los Angeles Rams. But that is in jeopardy right now. The San Francisco 49ers kicking a field goal to go up three. There's two minutes left in overtime. The Rams with the ball. So we're keeping our eye on that game. But I am going to go back in time here uh, to Saturday as we kick off our football fan cave. The Denver Broncos lose. Fine. They're already out of the playoffs, uh, but they do part ways with head coach Vic Fangio. And so they are on the hunt once again for a coach um, when I don't know if he was necessarily the issue. The big issue it seemed like this year for the Broncos was just they don't have a above average quarterback, but Vic Fangio out the door. And so there will be an opening in Denver uh, with a pretty prolific or potential for a pretty prolific offense. And uh, there's a lot of great candidates out there. So I'm hoping they make the right hire. Uh, I forget the name of the, the coordinator for the chiefs, but he would probably be my number one to, to grab because of the inside knowledge of a division rival. Uh, and the success that he has had as a play caller uh, in, in the previous seasons with Patrick Mahomes. The other game, Dallas Cowboys taking care of business against the Eagles. Uh, that game didn't mean a whole lot of anything for either team. So it was really about getting guys uh, their milestones. Um, Devontae Smith, all-time rookie record for receiving yards for the Eagles franchise. Dak Prescott setting the touchdown record for the franchise passing Tony Romo. Again, a lot of these records going to get broken this week. 
uh, in part because of the extra week of the season, but also you got to be a pretty good player to put up these numbers. So still got to respect the records. Uh, and, and one of those today, a big one, TJ Watt tying the all-time sack record in a season with Michael Strahan at 22 and a half. Uh, and, and this one even more impressive because he hasn't played all 17 weeks of the season. So this one actually does hold a little bit more water as he has missed games due to injury. And uh, he should probably be defensive player of the year based off of, of that record and the performances that he has had. And big part due to TJ Watt is the reason why Pittsburgh Steelers will start here. Win in overtime and are on their way to the playoffs unless the Chargers Raiders game ends in a tie, as I mentioned on Thursday. So uh, a big win for them against their rivals, uh, the Ravens in Baltimore, and we could see Big Ben play another game rather than this one being his last one. The reason that the Steelers are in a great spot to make the playoffs is because the most shocking result of the day, although not so shocking if you've seen the last six years of games, the Jacksonville Jaguars in line for the number one pick defeat the Indianapolis Colts. And it wasn't close. Trevor Lawrence looked great. Um, they had running backs coming out of nowhere, putting up yards and their defense was unbelievable. Really Carson Wentz self-destructed two interceptions. They stuffed Jonathan Taylor. Uh, and that is a devastating loss for the Colts now who have to rely on, on some losses from new England, uh, from the chargers in order to, to back into the playoffs, but it, I don't think it's, it's going to happen for them. Um, as right now I have with my playoff machine on ESPN.com, uh, it looks like as it sits, the Titans will take the one seed as they took care of business against the Texans. Kansas City in the two seed, Buffalo beating my, or the Jets taking the three seed. Cincinnati, despite losing to the Browns, had already locked up the division. They're in the four seed. Uh, the Patriots, tough loss to Miami. That did not look good. And that's not, they're on a, a, a skid here now, two game losing streak going into the playoffs. They'll be the five seed. And then the winner of the Raiders Chargers will be the six seed. Uh, actually, if the Raiders win, they will be the five seed and then Pittsburgh sitting in that seventh seed in the AFC. Um, so a really, really poor final week for Indianapolis where they could have won and clinched their spot. And now they'll be rethinking Carson Wentz at quarterback uh, for next season. Other big news here, uh, the Jaguars had a chance to lose the number one pick, but they were lucky because the Lions also won against the Green Bay Packers, getting their third win of the year. So Jacksonville holds on to the number one pick. The Lions will pick number two. Um, the Lions putting up a great performance. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was in the game for nearly three quarters of this game, uh, but the Lions were able to take advantage of the backups of Green Bay's defense and win that one in a shootout, 37-30. to 30. So now we've arrived at the NFC, and... It's official. The San Francisco 49ers have now made Sean McVay 45 and one when leading at halftime. They get the win in overtime. They were down, I think, 14 at halftime and came back. If they had lost, they would have been eliminated from the playoffs as the New Orleans Saints beat the Atlanta Falcons, but they stay alive and they've set themselves up for a matchup with the Dallas Cowboys next weekend. Uh, the Eagles will play the Buccaneers, and the Cardinals 
will play the Rams in a third round meeting between those two divisional opponents, of course, with Green Bay holding on to the number one seed. So the NFC playoff picture is set. Just looking forward to tonight's game between the Raiders and the Chargers. Um, it would be an all-time sports moment if they just needed out and both got a playoff spot, but I don't think that's going to happen. I saw there's one guy who, who bet 10 bucks on the Jacksonville money line plus all of the unders in the Raiders-Chargers game and it to end in a tie. 10 bucks pays out 9000 So <laughs> not too shabby one. I, I think he's probably clutching that, just praying to whatever God he believes in that this game's going to end in a tie. So looking forward to that one tonight um, and a really, really fun NFL season. Looking forward to Super Wild Card Weekend next week. Uh, the Nickelodeon game in particular, always a fun time. <laughs> and uh, yeah, great week to 18 of, of NFL football. The first ever week 18 actually uh, went a lot better than I had imagined. Fun you stuff, know, fun stuff. Like Cassophony of uh, Cacophancy, Cassophony. I don't know if but how you pronounce that word no non-stop parade of ambulances to the fields were some injuries but i know more so than any other week okay yeah yeah all right i think that's gonna do it for this one uh we'll we'll have some more to talk about on thursday i'll have my nfl playoff preview set to go but i hope everyone had a wonderful and safe weekend and and max i hope you take these next couple of days to recover yourself uh yeah that's gonna do it for this one thanks everyone yeah catch our recap of 2021's biggest sporting moments dropping sometime between this episode and the next one sports next door signing out